can fund resources for evangelism and for discipleship, things in the church. But ultimately, the last line that he says from that point is, um, above all, we're investing in the spiritual and the eternal welfare of people everywhere, the eternity of souls. And that's why we give, so the church can happen, so that speakers can get up here and share of God's love, share of salvation that's offered to us. So as the ushers do come forward, as you give this morning, um, and if you ever want to look for 10 good reasons, there's, um, you could Google 10 good reasons to give, and it talks about them, But because God commands us to give, and also because it actually advances his kingdom. So um, please know as you give this morning that um, these offerings will go to hopefully advance God's kingdom. And I'll just flip it on the um, the program a bit just before Beck comes up. Just a few announcements this morning, and it's a bit like a, a, um, a bit like a show fest with handouts this morning. But you can see a tree there. It's looking a bit sad, isn't it? Looking a bit uneventful, a bit plain, a bit boring. So if you want to come tonight here to church, it's decorate the tree night. So from five o'clock on, there's a free sausage sizzle. Now if Andrew was here, he'd say if it's for free, it's for me. So we can all do that in his absence today. Free Barbie sizzle from five o'clock. Then at six o'clock, the starting of singing of the carols and the decorating of the tree. We look forward to what Sally brings us tonight for that. So thanks for that, Sally, in advance. Um, A few other bits and pieces. The Bunningyong carols are on next Saturday. And Sally is heavily involved in getting that to happen. But if you've never been to the Bunningyong carols, it is fantastic. It is small community as opposed to the massive great one that will be happening the following weekend at the Mars Stadium, um, and they're in your, your Logos, by the way. But um, Carol's, the bunny is fantastic if you can get there. And I know that there are others. And also in advertising things, we've got Sean Smith coming along on the 16th of December. So if you've got friends who've got little kids and they don't come to church, great opportunity to invite them um, for a fun um, but meaningful service on the 16th of December. Lots of other its and bits in the Logos. Please have a read of your Logos prayer points, concerns, and just things that are happening around the place. So um, I just want to actually just pray for our offering before I invite Beck up. Father God, that offering that we gave just before, we just ask that you would multiply. Lord God, that it would be loaves and fishes, that the small amount that we've given to you, Lord God, that you would just absolutely multiply for your kingdom's sake. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome back. I'm just going to move a few things around. (laughs) Make myself at home. Good morning. How are we? the season to be jolly so I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning and start with a joke I never do this so if it fails dismally then I don't know maybe you might enjoy my preaching more so (laughs) we'll see how it goes so Peter's standing in heaven and he's at the pearly gates and he's exhausted he's been doing this job for a long time and he's like I really need a break I really need a holiday you know what it's like in church when you've been serving you think, I need a week off. So Peter's doing this. And there was no one who put their hand up to do the job. And, and then Jesus walks up to him and he goes, all right, Peter, you deserve a break. You can go have a holiday. Go have a holiday. I'll stand on the gate. So Jesus is standing on the gate and he's just waiting for some newbies to come into heaven. And um, he sees this old man. And there, there he is just wandering around and you know, he's got an old beard and grey hair and he's, he's looking a little lost. And Jesus said, what are, you, what are you doing? You look like you're wandering around. Are you coming in? And he goes, I, I don't know who I am or, or why I'm here. I, I just I don't know anything. And I'm very confused. And Jesus said, all right, well, let's trace back. So what do you know about like your life on earth? Like what was life like for you? And can you tell me anything about it? And he said, well, I know I was... A carpenter. I used to. I used to make things with wood, and and Jesus starts thinking, hmm, okay. And then he goes, "Is there anything else you can tell me?" And he goes, "Well, I had a son, and and his name became world famous." And Jesus is like, "All right, I know who this is." And he goes, "Daddy!" 
And the old man goes, Pinocchio! I know, it's not a very good one, but... (laughs) Okay, so I'm preaching today from the book of Ephesians. It's actually one of my favourite books. I love the book of Ephesians. Paul's one of my most favourite people in the Bible. And um, basically this book, it's like a, a manual on how to do Christianity. It's like got all the basics that we need to know in there. And in there, Paul talks a little bit about our belonging in Christ and, and how we are in him and he is in us. So we're not followers of Christ, we're actually in him. And this is like foundational truth, stuff that, you know, he really wants us to get good understanding of. And he talks about the church and he talks about the, the power of the church and the power that we have been given by the Holy Spirit. And um, he talks about Jesus being the head of the church and how how much Jesus loves the church and so much that he gives the gifts in the form of men and women who come to help build the church up and bring them to a higher place and a higher higher calling. He talks about love and unity and basic conduct. So that's a basic summary of the book of Ephesians. It's also filled with some of the most amazing prayers that if you are ever stuck in prayer time and you don't know what to pray, the book of Ephesians has some of the most amazing prayers that bring you into a deeper intimacy with God. Um, So Paul's an apostle and the idea of an apostle is summed up really well like a father. And so Paul, he sort of, what he does is he guides, he instructs, he affirms, he backs people up. He's not somebody who's controlling. He doesn't manipulate and he doesn't lord authority. Because Paul had a heart to have sons and daughters in the ministry who would grow and outgrow even him and what he was doing. Um, He had a heart to see the kingdom advance and a kingdom that would have no end. Hence, he went out to so many places to spread the gospel. He saw it increasing in power, in size, in influence, in creativity, and in miracles. So I love Paul, and I love his teachings, and I've built it up for this reason, because I know that when Paul's going to speak, and I know that when he writes letters, he's, he's talking to people to call them into a higher place, a higher place of maturity and a higher place of depth of relationship with God. So I hang on his words. Like I love his words of what he says. So here's Paul and he's writing to the Ephesians. And this book is a bit different to some of his other ones because when he was writing letters to like a lot of the other ones, he was dealing with issues that might have been arising in the church like morality or leadership problems and things like that. But in this one, it's a bit more general and it's a bit more of an encouraging letter. And he's challenging people to come into a greater place of faith. Um, So, and I believe that you know, and that's my heart for this message today is that I believe that God's calling us into a, a higher, higher calling, a higher place, a higher um, place in our maturity and in our growth with him. And I believe that God, what he wants to do today is that he wants to breathe something fresh into us. He wants to awaken something in us. Because what I'm going to talking about is nothing new to anyone here. This church is a very supernatural church. But I believe that God actually wants to awaken some areas back in us that may have quietened down, maybe due to the fact that we've walked through life and it's been tough and we've become weary, we've become disappointed and God wants to just come in and I believe what he wants to do today is just breathe something fresh into his people today. He wants to awaken something in you. So let's just pray. Holy Spirit, would you just release upon us this morning a freshness? Would you just come in and breathe something anew into our hearts? Would you come in and just breathe on the coals of our heart this morning? Would you awaken in us those things that have become dormant and gone to sleep, Lord God? Would you just come in and and bring something fresh and new in us today? Thank you, God. And I pray that every word that I speak that is from you, Lord God, will go out and accomplish that which you purposed it to do, Lord. Thank you for your word. And I just pray for a blessing over Andrew and Mel as they're away at the moment, that God, that you give them rest and restoration to their souls. Amen. So here's Paul writing to the Ephesians, and this is what he's saying. He's saying, hey, look, guys, I have heard about you and I'm so thankful for who you are and what you're doing. You are amazing. 
And I've been praying for you constantly. And here's what I'm praying. And when he tells you what he's about to pray, you actually want to hear it. Because you know when people say, I've been praying for you? And you go, oh, that's nice. But when they actually tell you what they've been praying for you, it actually brings revelation and it brings encouragement. So this is what Paul's about to do. So in chapter 1, starting at verse 16. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling, that is, the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of the highest honour and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. I love this. This is Paul basically saying and praying for an experiential Christian walk. This is what he's praying. And he's saying to continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power that is made available to us through faith. Is there anyone here who feels that they are continually experiencing this kind of power? Anyone? Anyone? Please, I want to stand next to you if you are. Because I'm the first to admit I don't always feel that way. I don't always feel that I'm full of power and that I have all those things available to me. But the Bible tells us that it is available. It's available. And it's available through faith. So when I'm not feeling it, does that mean I'm doing something wrong? Does it mean I don't have enough faith? Are these the kind of questions that we ask ourselves and we beat ourselves up on? Have you ever had one of those experiences where you've heard somebody's testimony and it's just so vivid and so full of power that you look at your own experiences and you go, um, I'm not quite experiencing that. It's like they're on a whole other level to you. Has anyone else heard people's testimonies like that? And you think, oh, what am I missing out on? So it's, it's important to know that when you hear those sorts of experiences that they're not there to lord these moments over you but it's easy in those moments where you can actually devalue your own experiences okay and that's really really important for us to know see what's actually happening is you are disqualifying yourself from what you're actually experiencing and then what happens is, is you start to question it and you go you know am I just imagining some of these things or like you know is there something wrong with me um, you know, and you might be in worship one moment and you go, hmm, did I really just feel that wind brush over me during worship or is this just my imagination? You know, the other day in um, Friday morning we have a mum's group and Bree was leading it and um, we were just praying for one another and um, I'm just going to say though, Bree, sorry, God spoke to me. <laughs> I'm just going to interrupt this broadcast for a minute. When I was thinking about this, I felt God say to me that you are a champion of women. And I just wanted to speak that over your life because what it is with you, you have an amazing gift that women don't feel like they are less than when they're around you. You don't make women feel like, you know, they're not good enough. You empower women. You see the goodness in them and everyone's on an equal playing field. So I just want to honour you in that and just speak that over your life because I can see so many women just coming around about you. So anyway, this champion of women was praying for one of the other ladies in, in our group and she said, no, oh, um, I just see this light over you and when I, w when I was praying. Now, it would have been easy in that moment for Brie to go, oh, that's just my imagination. But in boldness, she spoke it out. And what that did in that moment was actually encouraging to the woman who was getting prayed for that God was doing something, you know. But often we sit there and we think, was that, my, was that my imagination? Well, yes, it was your imagination. Because that's how God actually speaks to us. 
And I think we devalue our imagination. We wipe it off like it's just our subconscious, but it's actually quite powerful. It's the eyes of our spirit. It's like an organ, like a kidney or a heart inside your body that God has actually put inside your spirit to see. Just excuse me for a minute. So the confusion is, is that when we hear some of these stories, it sounds sometimes like that they're actually seeing it with their physical eyes. But what it is, is they're seeing it with their spiritual eyes. They're seeing into the spirit realm. Now, that's not to say that there aren't moments when these things are actually present in our physical and natural realm. And in no way am I diminishing any of those experiences because those experiences are there to actually... Um, testify to us and encourage us of the potential and the power of what's actually in the spirit, spirit realm. So we have those experiences to actually testify what is available. But n- most Christians, when they're actually testifying of these moments, they're actually speaking of what they have seen with their spiritual eyes. And it's normal Christianity for us to have these experiences. Now, we all want those ones where it's like, you know, right in front of us, like there's an angel right in front of us or something. We all want those ones. But we're actually not wired to experience those ones all the time. And often if you hear people when they've given those sorts of testimonies, they'll say how they feel weak in their body or they feel completely exhausted because being in the presence of God and in the weight of his glory actually makes their bodies feel really weak. So physically, we are not designed to actually live that way all the time. So what God's done is he's given us the ability to see into the spirit realm. And our job and our mandate is to see what's in that realm and bring it here. That's what we're called to do, hence bringing heaven to earth. So what we're called to do is to see what's in the spirit realm and pull it here into our reality. Our job is to make all of earth look like heaven. That's what we are called to do. I believe that there are things that are waiting for us as individuals and as a church and even as a city that are in that spirit realm that are just sitting there, lying dormant, that we haven't pulled into here yet. We haven't pulled into our reality yet. And I believe that's because, you know, like I was saying before, sometimes we have just become weary. Sometimes we've actually just dulled our senses to seeing and and we need to actually awaken those senses again. But there are promises that are to be taken hold of. There are miracles that are waiting in that spirit realm for us. And, and, You know, I just believe that what God wants to do this morning and in this message that I want to give you is to actually just breathe afresh on you to bring some of those things back to life again. So just go back to Paul. So he was praying for believers to have an experiential reality of God's measureless power. And it's easy to go down that road and think, well, maybe I don't have enough faith, you know, because it does say that it's available through faith. So we think if it's not available and I'm not seeing it is that because of me Paul what he wanted to do he understood that that's how believers think so he's saying you know what this is what I'm doing I'm actually praying for you and this is what I'm praying because this is going to make sense to you it's going to make life easier for you so you can actually have this experience so this is what he prays he says um, that the father of glory the God of our Lord Jesus Christ would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. So he's calling us into a deeper intimacy. The word wisdom that he uses in this verse is actually from a Greek word called sophias. It's an old Greek word that was used to describe insight or wisdom that is not naturally attained. In other words, this is not natural human wisdom and it's special insight. So Paul is praying for special insight. The other thing he's praying for there is revelation. And this word actually comes from the word, I have to try to say this, apocalypsis. It refers to something that has been veiled or hidden for a long time and then suddenly, almost instantaneously, it becomes visible to the mind's eye. And every time I read that, if you're a 90s DC talk person, in my mind's eye, does everyone know that song? (laughs) Or am I just like one of the few 
DC Talk fans. <laughs> so it's like pulling the curtains out of the way so you can see what's always been outside your window. It's always been out there. You've just had the curtains shut. And what God wants to do is he wants to pull the veil back, pull the curtains back. So Paul's saying, what I'm praying for is that you can see what's outside your window. You can see what's in the spiritual atmosphere. It's always there. It's always available. But I'm praying that anything that's obstructing your view will be removed so that you can see clearly. This is some pretty powerful prayers that Paul is praying. And they're pretty powerful prayers that we can pray over ourselves. He then goes on to pray for a second thing. He says, I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. So in, depending what translation you have in front of you, some of it might say heart um, or eyes of understanding um, or imagination. It's basically all three. They all come from a similar root word and it all means the same thing. Your spiritual eyes are seeing into the spirit and you are actually seeing all the time. But we ignore it or sometimes we just pass it off as our imagination. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever coveted something? Have you been tempted or lusted after something? Right there is an example of how you're actually seeing into it a spirit, a spiritual atmosphere. You are imagining something that you want and you're desiring after something that you can't even see or that you don't even own or don't even have. So that's just one example. Here's another example. Let's just say you're standing at the front of an ATM and you go check the balance and there's not as much money in there as you were hoping and then um, the temptation to worry about money just starts to pass before you and then you start to think of a future where you can't afford to pay your bills and... Um, then fear and worry and anxiety, they all just come before you. So you're actually seeing in the spirit quite fine. You just imagine this huge scenario of how terrible it was going to be. This is how easily available and how easily we actually use our imagination. Sometimes we just use it in relationships. Have you ever had one of those moments? I don't know, I think women may tend to do this more than men, but where you've been in a relationship or you've, you're upset with somebody and you play this argument out in your head and you start thinking, oh, if they say this, I'm going to say this. And if they, if they bring up this point, I'm going to bring up this point. And you've played out this whole scenario in your head and then you actually have a conversation and they don't follow the script that you just had. That's another example. Or how about when you're not feeling well and you might have a headache and a few other symptoms and so you jump onto Google and what started was a headache suddenly becomes the fact that you've got this brain aneurysm. Our imaginations just run away with us. We actually see these things all the time into the spiritual atmosphere. Um, it's, it's your spirit and you're picturing it and when you picture it, you connect it with your imagination. So your imagination, to explain what your imagination is, is a bit like a TV or a screen projector. So often people say, is your imagination good or bad? And people, especially in church circles, we think, oh, imagination, are these one of these loopy Christians, you know? Are they going to start talking about some weird things? But your imagination is actually not good or bad. It's actually just like, like I said before, it's an organ or a screen that, that is used to communicate to us. And what happens is, is we get to actually choose what we're putting on that screen. And it's like, you know, you've got God TV and devil TV. What are you going to put in? What are you going to put in on the screen today? What are you going to listen to? So that's why what we actually want is a sanctified imagination. We want one that is drenched in God's thoughts. We want to think like God. We want to see like God. We want everything we do to be like God. So that's what we are aiming for, is to have an imagination or a thought life, a shaped thought life that is just like God's. And that's why we read verses like in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, that says this. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, we've got the choice to think about other things. We get the choice to decide what actually comes into our imagination. 
but here's an example of what we should be thinking about. Things that are good and pure and admirable. What's happened in churches is, I love like thoughts of, of ideas like philosophy and things like that. And there's an idea here called Western rationalistic philosophy. And what this is, is that if you can't touch it, taste it, feel it, smell it, which sense have I forgot? The other one. If you can't hear and hear it, if you can't do that, then it doesn't exist. So that's what that way of thinking says. So anything else that doesn't fall into those categories then falls into the land of make-believe or faith or, you know, the land where Santa Claus lives, unicorns and Jesus. People put it into that box. So that's what that kind of thinking is. And that kind of thinking has actually become a huge problem because as Christians, we are meant to live in a spiritual realm. And I think sometimes if we limit our thinking to that type of thinking, we are missing out on so much more. When I was a younger mum, and I remember being in worship, and, um, you know, you have those moments where you are just, you feel like you're just at the throne of God, you know, and you're so deep in there, and it's like, you know, you can't hear, see anything else, and it's just such a deep, beautiful moment. And I remember just being a mum, and my kids just, tugging at my legs and um, I'd get so annoyed I'd get so annoyed with them because I'm thinking I don't want to leave there I don't want to leave this moment but what I've learnt over time and through maturity is that I'm not actually stepping in and out you know it's not like I have to warm myself up I'm actually just flowing in and out all the time my life is living one foot here in in, on earth and the other one in heaven and that's how we constantly live and I used to have this mindset that I'd have to come in and out like it was like a, a big deal to come in and out but that's not how we're meant to live we're meant to live in this place where we're living in both realms both both realms and functioning this way if we can begin to validate the imagination we can actually grow in our callings and in the gifts on our life and we can actually grow in our mandate to bring heaven to earth i just want to give a few reasons why imagination is really good so number one firstly imagination helps sustain us and grow us in the gift of faith hebrews 11:1 1 says this now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for it is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. See, faith is the power that brings our hopes from an unseen world, the spiritual world, into a real physical world. I remember when we were waiting for um, a kidney, when Lockie was on the waiting list. And, um, you know, it's easy when you're going through trials to, th to let you put the wrong video in your projector and think the worst. And, you know... It's quite, it's usually one of the first thoughts that comes to you um, is, oh, no, and then your mind starts running away. But one of the things that God really grew for me in this time was this area of my imagination. And it was such a sustainer of, of my strength and my faith in God because what I started to do is I just started to imagine what that moment would look like when we got that phone call. And I used to picture it. I used to have all sorts of scenarios. My imagination would run wild with, you know, potential miracles that God could do in this moment. I used to sit there and I think, what if they, you know, they called us up and then Lockie's on the table and they cut him open and then, and then suddenly, there's another kidney in there. And what if it's got like gold dust on it, you know? Like I started thinking all these things. Like my imagination just ran away with me. But you know what it did? It actually put me into tune with what was available on the other side, the spirit realm. And it sustained me. It gave me hope. It gave me strength. So imagination is really good for us when you're going through trials. It can sustain you. If you just put the right um, you know, information coming in onto your imagination screen, it will sustain you. Imagination helps unlock potential. It cultivates an atmosphere of possibilities. Dreaming and imagination aligns you with the God who says in Matthew 19 verse 26, with man this is impossible, but with God 
all things are possible. Things that once seemed impossible can be a reality when you can see into the spirit realm. When you know the promises, when you know the things that God has for you in the spiritual atmosphere, what seems like can't happen suddenly becomes a yes, it can. So it's important that we know what's on the other side. We, we need to know what's in that atmosphere. So every door that seems shut to us can be open. You know, this, this is what's available to us. So we've got to learn to think this way. Imagination helps you to love. Imagination helps you see people like God sees them. Because I know with some people it really does take a good imagination <laughs> to love them. Because what it is, is God sees everyone as sons and daughters who just haven't come back home yet. That's how God sees them. And sometimes we in our judgments can go, no, they're not worthy of God's love. They don't deserve his love. So we actually need to learn how to use our imagination and see like God sees and think like God thinks to learn to love people. So it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 16, it says this. So then, from now on, we have a new perspective that refuses to evaluate people merely by their outward appearances. For that's how we once viewed the anointed one. But no longer do we see him with limited human insight. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself and given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. And it's important for us as Christians because often we can have people who are in our midst who might have a really, you know, sordid past, and we don't want to identify them by their past all the time we want to identify them by their new identity in Christ and that's how we should love people as well that's how we should talk to them and treat them the same way God would stop dragging up their past stop dragging up those things that they have done and speak to them like God would speak to them speak to them as who they are and who they're becoming so imagination unlocks new strategies for bringing in the harvest this is very similar to the last one I believe that for us that what God wants to do is he actually wants to transform our idea of evangelism. I think in the past for such a long time it's been we go out on the street and you know stand on a corner and say Jesus is alive, you know repent or whatever the message was that we've been taught over the years um, or we invite them to church but evangelism is such a creative thing with God. Like God has opportunities where, you know, you can be sitting in, the, in a doctor's office and suddenly you're having a conversation with someone. I believe that God really wants to unlock this in us at the moment. And I think we need to have a yielded heart to him. We need to have a yielded heart to new um, things that he wants to say to us, new opportunities, and just get out the box of how we think evangelism should look. Um, imagination helps us to wage war on our prophetic words. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 18 to 19, it says this, So Timothy, my son, I am entrusting you with this responsibility in keeping with the very first prophecies that were spoken over your life and are now in the process of fulfillment in this great work of ministry in keeping with the prophecies spoken over you. With this encouragement, use your prophecies as weapons as you wage spiritual warfare by faith and with a clean conscience, for there are many who reject these virtues and are now destitute of the true faith. It takes imagination to be able to take hold of a word that's been spoken over you, to see something that could be so huge that God has spoken over you and to go, is that me? Can I do that? Is that who you've called me to be, God? It takes an imagination to picture what God's pictured for your life because we look at ourselves as less than, you know. So we need to see, like, see ourselves like God sees ourselves. I remember years and years ago um, when we were younger Christians, we'd get a lot of prophetic words and people would say, just put that on the shelf. Just put that over there and see what God does. I'm saying don't put it on the shelf. <laughs> don't put it on the shelf. Don't let it get dusty. Don't, don't let it die. You know, this is what 
Paul was saying to Timothy here. He's saying, remember those words. Take them out. Meditate on them. You know, we need to be like Mary where it says in Luke chapter 2 where it says that she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Oh, man, we should be thinking about these words all the time and go, God, look what you've called me to do. This is exciting. Start thinking about them. Start dreaming about them. You know, we've got to, we've got to like wage war on them. Don't put them on the shelf and let them get dusty and old and then forget about them. We are meant to like have an imagination realm in this area and, and treasure them, think on them, bring them to life. This is how we bring what's in that realm over here. Oftentimes people are like 20 years waiting on a prophetic word. And sometimes I believe there is timing, but sometimes I believe it's that we just don't know how to go in there and pull it back here to earth. So, you know, I think this is just an area where God wants to grow us in. Imagination helps us to stay close to God. I'm just going to read a passage in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 and 28, it says this. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who so much as looks at a woman with evil desire for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. We've only really read this story through one angle, and that's the angle of purity. But I believe that what Jesus was doing, he was also teaching people on the power of what's in that realm, that spiritual realm. What he was doing was he was talking to people in a time period where they knew the law. And so in the physical realm, they understood you're not, you don't commit adultery. You don't do that with another woman. That's not what you do. But what Jesus was saying was, but even if you think about it, you're still committing adultery. And it was easy to hold the law up to something and say, well, I'm not doing that. But what Jesus was doing in this moment was he was teaching people that, you know, your imagination can actually be quite dangerous for you. And it can actually take you into a realm of sin and that you don't think you're actually doing. And what happens is, is when you go into that place, you bring stuff back with you. The same way when we are, you know, bringing heaven to earth, if we are in a place where we're in an imagination realm with our sin, we bring the same stuff back here into our life. And that's why people like who are caught up in pornography and things like that, they bring shame back. They bring guilt back. And that's why all these things come because they have gone into a realm where they think this is not real. And then they've brought it back and they've actually bought something with them. So this, that's the power of the imagination realm. And here's Jesus saying, you know what? You know, don't go over there. Don't, don't do that, you know. It's not just a fantasy. It's valid. It's a real realm. Because you don't want to have to deal with the stain that comes with that. So, you know, we get closer to God because we actually have the ability to control what we put on that screen. So, you know, God wants us to be closer and more intimate with him, so we need to watch what we're actually feeding in. Imagination restores. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all, for his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Oh, that's a challenge, isn't it? Like that, to me, I sit there and I think, all right, God, you say, you say that if I dream something, that you're going to outdo it. I love that idea. I love sitting there thinking, what can my wildest imaginations come up with that God can outdo? Having an imagination gives, us, gives God the ability to heal our hearts in this area because disappointments have come in, discouragement, weariness. And when we allow ourselves to, to walk in this imagination realm and to actually dream those things, we actually, like the verse says, his miraculous power constantly energizes you. What God does is he wants to energize you. He doesn't want you to be weary. He doesn't want you to be weary of waiting. He doesn't want you to be weary of feeling disappointed. He wants to actually energize you. So our imagination can actually stimulate that. Um, we have the ability to never doubt God's power to accomplish in us. 
Imagination stimulates creativity. Everything that existed in this realm once existed in an imagination realm. So a chair. There was never a chair before someone had the idea of sticking four legs and some flat thing for you to put your backside and your back on. Someone thought about it the same way with this microphone. Like someone had an idea to make something louder. Like where do these thoughts come from? But what it is, is everything that you see has actually existed in the realm of the imagination first. It's the same with God. Everything he made, he thought of. He thought of first and then he created it. That's how he works and that's how he wants us to work. And that's what we see everywhere we are. If we actually get an understanding that we are surrounded by stuff that was originally in an imagination realm, then we become so much more aware of how powerful this realm is. Because those people who actually thought of those ideas, those inventors and creators, what they did is, is they went into that place, that imagination, and they pulled it here and they made it a reality. And I believe that this is what the Holy Spirit's saying to us. You know, we can actually partner more with the Holy Spirit when we learn how to go into that realm and hear what he's saying to us. We can grow in confidence, and I believe that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to grow in confidence. You know, this is happening a lot more and more with, you know, creativity like songs, like writing, like art. These ideas were, were things that were just thoughts. You know, it's like Grace's artwork. Look, look at this artwork. These were thoughts that she had that she pulled from a spiritual realm and put them here into a physical realm. You know, we do that with songwriting. You know, the Spirit of God will, will speak things to us and, and our eyes will see things and then we bring it back and we write them down. You know, this is how creativity works. It works not just for the creative arts, but business ideas. You know, people have ideas in how, in how to make money, money for the kingdom, money for people. Like, these are all creative ideas. The imagination helps us do that. I believe, if you want to pick up your guitar, I believe that God wants to breathe something fresh on us this morning. Because I know that we've all had experiences. We've all had moments where we have been in the spiritual realm and seen in the spiritual realm. But I believe that where God wants to take us, he wants to awaken that in us again. He wants to actually grow it in us and mature it in us. Because we're not all experiencing, like, like um, Paul said at the start, that continual experience. I want to get closer to that. I want to get closer to feeling it continually. I don't want to just feel it on a Sunday when I come to church. I don't want to just feel it when I'm just hanging around other Christians and we're talking about it. I want to feel it when I'm cooking dinner at home. I want to feel it when I'm with my friends and we're laughing. I want to feel it all the time. That is what we have the ability to do. And I believe that the Holy Spirit just wants to come in and He wants to awaken that in our hearts and in our eyes. He wants to open our eyes. He wants to open our eyes to the possibilities of what lays in the spiritual atmosphere that we haven't taken hold of yet. I think there is so much more, so much healing, so many ideas, so many new things that He wants to do. He wants us to get out of the box. You know, I've asked Adam to play this song for us this morning. And it's, what does it sound like when we sing Heaven's song? You know, I actually just want to do a little bit of, of, of time with God where we're actually spending some time just renewing our vision, just renewing what it's like to see and to hear what God wants to say and do. You know, sometimes if we don't position our heart and yield our heart to actually let God speak to us, we won't hear. So we need to actually position ourselves to say, God, open my eyes. Pray these prayers that Paul prayed. Pray them over your life. Pray them over your life so that you are constantly, constantly living in the awareness that God has more. Because what we live in, this is not everything. There is so much more. 
if you want to just stand, we're just going to sing this song. sound like when you sing heaven's song what does it feel like when heaven comes down what does it look like when God is all around let it come I just want to give, give an opportunity for you to respond you know everyone's eyes are closed but if this is something that you say, God, I want more of. God, would you open my eyes? Then I just encourage you just to lift your hands up. Do something as a sign to say, God, yeah, this is me. This is my heart. This is what I'm after. Lord, I want more. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and breathe afresh on me? Would you open my eyes to the impossibilities? Would you open my eyes to what lays ahead that I haven't even seen or imagined yet? Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe on the coals of our heart this morning? Holy Spirit, would you come and just open our eyes? Holy Spirit, would you remove anything, anything that's blocking our vision? Would you remove the discouragement? Would you take the discouragement off your people this morning, Lord God? Would you take the weariness of your people this morning? Would you take the hopelessness of your people? God, I thank you that you breathe fresh on us this morning. Breathe fresh on us once again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for the work you're doing in us. Thank you that we can see clearly. Thank you that we can possess what is in the spirit realm and bring it here to earth. Thank you, Lord God. What does it feel like when heaven comes down? What does it look like when God is all around? Let it come. Yeah. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come. Yeah. 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 any other prayer requests the altar is open I know I've got the support of some of our prayer warriors here in church will help me pray but um, yeah Adam's just going to keep playing otherwise you're welcome to go but if you want prayer please feel free to come forward we have people who pray with you and believe with you otherwise have a great day thank you for coming today this is what it sounds like Sing every song This is what it feels like
Would you come? 